Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome to episode 248 of the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Koslick. Thanks for joining me for this interview episode where we track down the best and brightest minds in the spirits and cocktail world so that we can share their secrets with you. This time around, I'm joined by cocktail educator, photographer, and author, Jordan Hughes. He's the creative force behind the High Proof Preacher and Cocktail Camera brands, and he's launching his first book entitled Twist, Your Guide to Creating Inspired Craft Cocktails. Now, Jordan has a pretty massive presence on social media, way bigger than anything that I do, so you're probably already aware of the content he puts out into the world. The delightful thing about this conversation, though, is that it gives us a chance to go behind the scenes a bit and understand what makes him tick, the motivations and aesthetic vision behind all the beautiful photos and videos he produces. But before we set our cameras to portrait mode, let's take a quick pause so that you can make yourself a drink. This episode's featured cocktail is an original drink from Twist called the Modern Medicine. To make it, you'll need one and a half ounces of bourbon, one half ounce Aperol, three quarters of an ounce fresh lemon juice, one half ounce Demerara syrup, two dashes of aromatic bitters, and one quarter ounce of smoky scotch, something like a Laphroaig 10-year. Combine all the ingredients except that quarter ounce of scotch in a cocktail shaker with ice, give them a good hard shake, then strain into a rocks glass over ice. Next, you'll want to gently pour that float of smoky scotch over the back of a bar spoon so that it sits right on top of the drink, garnish with a nice expressed lemon twist, and enjoy. I wanted to feature the modern medicine because I think it's a lovely example of what twist is all about. As Jordan explains in the book, it's a riff on a penicillin, which is a modern classic cocktail invented at Milk and Honey in New York about 20 years ago. But where the penicillin leans heavily into the spicy flavor of ginger to complement notes of honey and lemon, the modern medicine opts for lightly bitter and brilliantly red Aperol and a couple of dashes of bitters for good measure. One place where both drinks agree, however, is the crucial importance of that float of smoky scotch, which is the first thing your senses will perceive, mingled with the lemon oil from the garnish, before you plunge into a completely different flavor experience underneath. When it first came out, and in the two decades since, the penicillin has been an incredibly popular cocktail, and it's definitely lauded for its extremely deft flavor artistry, but with the modern medicine, Jordan takes us behind the scenes and demonstrates that really anyone can invent a similarly delicious cocktail by just tweaking a few key flavor variables. So now that you've got a new twist on a modern classic cocktail to try out next time you mix up a drink, let's turn our attention back to the interview. In this well-lit and impeccably styled conversation with photographer, drinks educator, and newly minted author Jordan Hughes, some of the topics we discuss include 
Jordan's voyage into the world of spirits and cocktails, including the pours and flavors that first got him hooked on mixology, and the spirited guides who helped him along his journey. How he thinks about staging and lighting cocktail photos, including one very important tip that will help you take your Instagram game to the next level. The concept and development process behind his new book, Twist, which is chock full of inspiration for anyone who might feel like they're in a rut, kind of making the same old handful of cocktails. Along the way, we cover the struggles of producing and photographing 10 gin fizzes in a single evening, Jordan's controversial views on vodka, what to drink with Michelle Obama at one of the world's most legendary bars, and much, much more. One thing you might not know about me is that when someone pitches me to come on the podcast and talk about a book, I actually read the book first, and only a small fraction of the folks who send in a pitch actually make it to the interview. There's a reason for that. It's because I think there are way too many cocktail books out there, and every year it becomes more and more difficult to contribute meaningfully to spirits and cocktail discourse, especially with a book that's recipe-focused. But what I love about Twist is that it models a way of approaching cocktails that holds both tradition and innovation in this playful tension with one another. Each drink that Jordan presents teaches you something about a given cocktail format and then encourages you to take that information and build on it by inventing your own twist on the recipe. If you're not already following Jordan and enjoying the educational content he's putting up on social media, I'm sure you will be by the end of our conversation. So with that, please enjoy this wide-ranging interview with the high-proof preacher himself, Jordan Hughes. Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, in, I'm excited. I don't actually do many podcasts, so I'm, I'm excited to, to chat. <laughs> Well, that's good. We're, we'll 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 break you in here, and after this, uh, uh, you know, hitting the hitting the press scene. But uh, before we jump into why you're here on the podcast, what you're here to promote, could you just give us a high level overview of who you are and what you do? Yeah. So my name is Jordan Hughes I'm from Portland, Oregon, um, and I generally introduce myself as a a cocktail and beverage photographer. So definitely a, a niche, right? So. It kind of started with, you know, sharing about different cocktails I made and photographed on my Instagram account, High Proof Preacher. And at the time, wasn't really aiming for that to become my my job job, but it was just something I really enjoyed and was getting some attention for and uh, was trying to figure out how to make a living as a photographer. And then ended up just being like, maybe I can take pictures of, of bartenders and, and drinks and, and just do that, you know? Um so kind of, you know, decided to specialize. And I feel like when I kind of made that call, it was like, now this is what I do. And it somehow it works. You know, it doesn't sound like a real job. But um, yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of things in that of like, there's, you know, working for different liquor brands and distilleries and all of that. I also do, it's kind of this newer educational side that I do as well of, of like, uh, I also like teach people drink photography now with like e-courses and kind of different online resources. And then then there's the side of, of kind of teaching people how to make drinks too. So there's kind of like these different facets of what I do. So it's it's always kind of hard to answer it very succinctly, but it's really fun because I feel like it also keeps me from getting bored because there's kind of all these different aspects that I get to focus on. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> I, I, I kind of hate that question too. I I think a better question is like, what are you doing this week? Right. <laughs> is like... <laughs> 
<laughs> totally. But yeah, so we're here to talk about your new book, Twist, and I want to I want to get into that, but I'm I think we might be best served to kind of back our way into it because most of our listeners who are familiar with you will doubtless be familiar with you by way of your social media presence. So can can you talk about for you what makes a beautiful cocktail and that could be from the photographer's standpoint or the bartender's standpoint or the consumer standpoint but beauty and aesthetics seems to be something that should be at the heart of this conversation so I'm, I'm curious to hear how your views of what a beautiful cocktail is or can be have maybe evolved or grown over time yeah i mean yeah especially for me as a photographer like the the aesthetics is definitely you know a big focus you know there's always that balance too of like you know when i make drinks even if it's just for the internet i'm like well this has to be a good drink if i'm sharing the recipe you know especially now with the book too where i'm like you know i never want to share a, a drink that isn't good or isn't balanced you know so but definitely from the aesthetics point of view uh i feel like i've always approached it trying to make my drinks like beautiful but also like realistic because uh, sometimes when it comes to the social media world you know people just focus on the aesthetics and there's a certain level of I don't know about a bad name but, but there's some people uh, quite a few people on Instagram or, or whatever who will share cocktails with like giant garnishes and all these things that are just kind of meant to get attention online but realistically are like okay there's no way you could possibly drink that or serve that so for me, I'm always trying to find this balance of like, I want it to be beautiful for the internet for, you know, just because that's, that's my primary audience is like, I'm, I'm not making drinks for someone at a bar and I'm, I'm making it for people online. Um, but also something where I'm like, I want this to be something that someone can realistically recreate themselves or realistically serve in a bar. So that's always just kind of a tricky balance to make. But for me, there's just this level of like when I see a cocktail that has a, you know, loaf of bread as the garnish or something, <laughs> you know, where it's like sometimes there's a time and place for the crazy garnishes and, you know, tiki and all that. Uh, but when it's just something where I'm like, okay, hold on, how is this glass even standing upright? You know, um, I, so for me, it's usually kind of less is more, I guess, to, to put it in, in fewer words. <laughs> Um, but yeah, trying to make drinks that are, um, you know, beautiful and eye catching from the social media online perspective, but also something that, that someone could realistically recreate and see not just, Oh, this is beautiful. I'll never be able to make that. But they actually be like, Whoa, this is beautiful and eye catching, but with a little work, I could do that myself. Mm. Yeah. And I think, so that's, that's, that's interesting because I think the distinction that you're drawing there is the difference between something that's aspirational and something that is somewhat fantastical and out of reach, right? Like aspirational right. has to somehow also be in reach. And sure. as you were saying that, as you were describing it, the thing that I thought of was the, the apple fan garnish, right? Which is something that you, you demonstrate in the book. And it's something that, I mean, to be honest, I've never done it at home. I have some cocktail picks. I have a chef's knife. I could go to the store and get an apple and 
now that you sort of like demonstrated that out a little bit, I'm like, oh, actually, next time I'm at the store, I think I'm going to do that. And so I, I think that's a, a, a great sort of touch point there. It it also kind of strikes me that like, it, do you, do you think there are like schools of, I mean, maybe aesthetic buckets or categories or schools of thought when it comes to cocktails. Like it seems like you were describing yourself as like a realist with maybe a slight minimalist streak, but also like when I look at your photography, I also see that you're, you seem to be really interested in like lines and particles. Mm -hmm. So does that describe your aesthetic? Oh yeah. I've never heard of lines and particles before, but I kind of like that. I feel like that should be a cocktail name. So I have to write down lines and particles. So that's, that's perfect. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely like different styles and different ways of, of thinking about it. I'm definitely more on the, the minimal side of even, you know, going back to photography of like, even just how I style photos, like they're, they're photographers that are incredible, you know, use all these different props and different style elements to create interest in their images where, for me, I always very much just have the focus on the drink and how can I like light this drink. And uh, occasionally there's some bar tools kind of framing the drink. But um, yeah, it's like my approach is always very simple, trying to make it just like when you look at a photo of a cocktail, it feels like you're you're at a bar seeing a drink served and you're just like, whoa, I, I want that. You know, that that's just like summarizes my general approach of more of the editorial style of just like, here's this beautiful drink and there's not a whole lot else to distract you from that. And that's certainly not the only way to do it um, when it comes to photography and cocktails, you know? So yeah, there's people who love using gold leaf and, you know, all these very like intricate garnishes and um, really unique ingredients and that stuff I, I enjoy playing with from time to time, but generally I always kind of go back to, to more of a, a simple approach. There's definitely an, in the wildness to your photography of like, yeah, this is how you would encounter this drink in the wild if you were <laughs> at a bar. And I think weirdly it shares something in common with great animal photography. Like you flipping <laughs> through like National Geographic or like, you know, the like planet earth yeah. and you see this beautiful photography or videography of an animal in its natural environment. And that's way more compelling than like, a tiger in a princess costume. You could put a tiger <laughs> in a princess costume, but that's not how they look in the wild. And so it would be a compelling photo for an entirely different set of reasons. But yeah, so that in the wildness um, and the sort of like uh, the, the real lifeness, uh, almost a still lifeness, but not a, you know, like we, we think about these still life um, paintings. We go to a museum, I'm here in DC. We have these amazing art museums with collections of world-class like you know, still life paintings of like, you get the, the bowl of fruit or, you know, the pitcher on the table with like the skull or something. And it's, that seems to be like, that's like, Ooh, somebody like put that together, but it doesn't seem to represent real life. Whereas yours is like, no, you just walked into this awesome bar and you're almost creating this set of like conditions in the background of saying like, no, you just walked into this bar and look, here's this cocktail. <laughs> and it's super compelling, man. Like, I, I think that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, your, your work resonates with folks. Um, now, 
you also have been moving into taking photography of actual bartenders. And I'm curious to know what that experience has been like, because, you know, capturing an object that doesn't move around is one thing, but capturing a person who may be in a low light situation and trying to capture motion and the kind of the verb of that person making the drink is something altogether different. So, so how has that experience been? Yeah. I mean, that's actually been kind of a key part of how I got going professionally uh, was like, starting out, I was just taking pictures you know, of drinks in my kitchen or my backyard or whatever. Uh, so it was one of my first like hired projects was, uh, like a local gin and vodka brand. Uh, I mean like, Hey, like there's 12 different bars throughout Portland where I'm based and like, they all have, um, you know, a cocktail that, that features our gin. Could you just go around to all 12 bars and like not just capture the drink, but like, I want to like feature the people who are making these drinks. So that was like this thing where I like said yes, without fully being sure if I could do it well, you know, I was like, well, I'm going to say yes. And hopefully I can figure this out. So with that, it's like, I, you know, got on YouTube and started looking for like, okay, how to take pictures in low light environments and how to use flash and stuff like that, which uh, is kind of its own thing. But I, I got a, a flash and, you know, a remote thing so I can fire it off of my camera and uh, just start going around to these different bars and taking pictures. And that was many years ago now, but uh, it was something where it was like a lot of the photos just didn't turn out, but enough of them turned out where it was like, oh, this is cool. And um, yeah, like being able to bring lighting, even if that's just one or two flashes into a bar and figure out how to set that up and light it to make the bartender look good. And also being able to freeze motion, it was definitely tricky. But like, once I kind of got the gist of it, it was just like this big light bulb moment of like, oh, wow, like this is this, like, there's a lot I can do. Uh, I mean, photography itself is a huge world. But um, that was kind of when I was like, oh, like, I really wanted to do this. Because uh, there's, you know, it's fun to be able to make drinks at home and, and shoot stuff where you can. But uh, part of what makes the cocktail world so cool are the people and the places. And just like there's so much color and life in this industry. And even just in my own city, seeing 12 different bars and 12 different bartenders and their different styles and their different approaches to making cocktails and capturing what they do was just so like it just kind of opened my eyes to just how huge and amazing uh, this industry is. So yeah, I feel like it's like down the rabbit hole from there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now I own a DSLR camera and admittedly, I don't know what most of the functions on that camera actually do. And certainly from there, obviously I don't know how to deploy them properly. So I was, I was going to ask you some questions about like maybe you know, obviously you've got your online courses, maybe just to share a, a, a few little nuggets of knowledge that are within reach of uh, our listeners who, you know, have a smartphone or, you know, maybe maybe have a, a basic DSLR camera. But maybe like a, a way to ask that question would be just for, for background, I've spent some time around fo folks who are pretty talented photographers. A friend of the show, Charlie Birkinshaw, who's uh, also a big fan of yours, founder of Element Shrub. Yeah. He's a great photographer. And I've done some photo shoots with him where, you know, we'll 
create a cocktail, and then I just kind of step back and watch him work. And, and I can tell that as he's staging the photo, he's thinking of how he wants it to turn out. And then he's tweaking settings and, you know, testing certain things. And I know that there is a process going on in his brain that's kind of like stepwise, like, okay, now I need to do this. Now I need to do this. When you're doing that, what are the types of like decisions that you're making that are leading toward that optimal outcome? Does that make any sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, there's a few things. It's, it's kind of a matter of like how, how deep do you want to get into it? You know? Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, on a, on a basics level, um, yeah, I am trying to focus more on, on basics when it comes to sharing educational content too. So, um, I actually do have like a, you know, five tips for, for drink photographers, like a PDF download on my website. That's, it's very like simple of just like, um, you know, based on if you're using a phone or entry level DSLR, um, it's the, the kind of like bare bones stuff. Uh, so th- there's that, that level of it where, uh, it, you know, a, a big kind of the big piece of photography is, is finding the good light. Right. And, and that's always kind of one for people where it's like, well, how do I find the good light? How does that work? You know? So I mean, there's stuff like that where, like, if you aren't using actual lighting, it's it's generally like, okay, where's the closest window? Where's kind of the biggest light source? So for me, like, I'm just kind of obsessed with with lighting, and because um, for the last few years during pandemic, I had like my my studio in my garage with no natural light, no windows. So I'm like comfortable with using lighting. I prefer using flash and different modifiers, but that few years in shooting in the dark, it's like, I really kind of mastered like how to shape lighting and like every highlight, every bit of light was something I had to make versus now I'm like, now I'm in a studio with windows and everything where it's like, Oh, I have more options, but um, I've noticed like, Oh, I can be a lot lazier because I, I have light in windows where like, Oh, I can set the drink down and it looks good. I don't have to shape everything, you know? <laughs> um, so I feel like I've kind of done it backwards, but um, at least from kind of just like starting with the basics of knowing that like your, your biggest light source is going to be, you know, the, the softest kind of light versus if you have, you know, a smaller light source, whether that be a small window or a small light, that's going to give you harder light. So, um, and you know, you tell that by looking at the shadows of your subject. So if you have your drink, you know, if it's soft light, you're barely going to have a shadow or the shadows are going to be very soft. If it's hard light, the lines on those shadows will be hard lines. Uh, so often it's like with lighting, you're looking at light in shadow and it's it's kind of this big versus small when it comes to light sources where if the light source is really big um, or if your subject being our cocktail is really close to the light source, it's going to be softer. Further away you get from the, the light source, um, it's obviously going to get darker, but um, like smaller light sources will be harder. So it's all like, for me, it's all about like how I think about light and how I view light. Um, so now it's, it's kind of like this, you know, photographer's curse sort of, I don't know about a curse, but like you walk into a room or a bar and you're kind of thinking like, oh, okay, this, this has some great soft light here. Or like this, this will definitely need to be augmented with the flash or you can kind of start thinking through exposure settings. So that's all something that kind of takes time to develop. But I feel like at the, the very basic level, just being aware of light and what kind of light is in a certain environment 
And then you can start thinking about like how you can add to it or augment it uh, is kind of like the next step where that's where I feel like my, my e-course focus is a, a ton on just kind of lighting and how to think about light, how to add lighting and how to shoot in challenging environments. Cause it, it really can get a little crazy and overwhelming if you aren't used to thinking in those terms, you know? So um, I'm always just like, just to start out, just be aware of, of the lighting and start just like seeing how that affects your subject, how that changes the shadows, how that changes um, the way that those colors stand out in a cocktail, whether you have it backlit or lit from the side or lit from the front, just being aware of those and just kind of studying uh, those different angles and, and different ways the light affects your subject. I feel like that advice, the, just the being aware of the light, it, it reminds me of like when when someone's trying to learn meditation or something. It's like, it's like all right, do it. Like you're not going to turn into a guru, but just right. like try and be a little bit more mindful. Like try and feel your body a right. little bit. And then, you know, you'll you'll reach enlightenment down the road, but it's, you know, like be, be, be yeah. aware. I like that. And it's, and, and what I like about it is that it's something I can do. <laughs> you know, it's clearly not something I'm very good at with the backdrop here. I've got this, this atrocious lamp in the background. I've got one right here that's making me look sweaty. Like clearly this is not, something that I am extremely talented at, but it's something that I can work on. Um, so I will, I will definitely, I don't know, get myself a ring light or something. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Near Country Provisions. Yep, you've heard me singing their praises for the past year now, and to answer a question I'm frequently asked, yes, I still do a little happy dance when my monthly subscription shows up at my door on dry ice and in an insulated bag. I want to highlight a couple aspects of Near Country that normally take the backseat to their meat quality and their impeccable local sourcing, those being affordability and customization. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the price of groceries lately, but the cost of meat, even the factory farm stuff, has been skyrocketing. But because Near Country keeps things local, to the Mid-Atlantic, your meat doesn't have to travel far, and it doesn't change hands half a dozen times before it hits shelves, meaning you don't have to pay for all those markups from middlemen. Every time I do a price comparison between Near Country and the grocery store, I'm blown away by the quality that I'm getting relative to the cost. And when it comes to flexibility, I've never worked with a subscription service where I have so much control. Let's say, for example, that you've got something against pork chops. Every month, Adam and his team send around a survey that allows you to say, hey, I don't want pork chops this month, or I don't want pork chops ever again, or a more reasonable request, I'd love it if you could include pork chops in my delivery every month. Preferences change, diets change, and special requests and cuts are always on your mind at certain times of the year, and Near Country gets that. They bend over backwards to help meet your changing needs. Head over to nearcountry.com and enter the code BARCART, all one word, that's B-A-R-C-A-R-T, when you sign up for your subscription to receive two free pounds of bacon or ground beef in your first delivery. And believe me, you'll be glad that you did. Now back to the show. Let's get into more of cocktails and, and, and book stuff because you've got this new book coming out called Twist and... I think it's a brilliant title. Uh, can you can you maybe talk about the title and the way that the book is set up? Because 
you know, when I think about cocktail books, there's a million ways you can go about writing one and, and assembling it. Obviously, the photography in it is beautiful and sort of like part of the, the focal point. But tell, tell us about Twist. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the name itself, I just thought was kind of fun with kind of being this double, like, you know, there's a citrus twist that is, you know, common garnish, uh, kind of, again, my approach of keeping things simple and approachable. But uh, yeah, just kind of my general, uh, really kind of refers to my general approach to making cocktails, uh, which isn't unique in it in, by any means, but it's it's something that I feel like uh, for a lot of people, once they kind of get this mindset of of cocktails being like classic cocktails being templates, is kind of like this cool moment where it's like, oh, there's all these cocktails that have stood the test of time. You know, the old fashioned, the martini, the the daiquiri, uh, just all of these classics that just kind of everyone at least is familiar with the name. You know, if not the recipe sort of thing, or or a cocktail you could go into almost any bar and, and you know. Your old fashioned might look a little different depending on where you go, but like there's at least like these these classic recipes that are out there, and how most cocktails we we come up with or that anyone comes up with are twists on these classics that they're riffs or you know there's different words for for that, but um, that's just kind of always been my approach of like uh, you know taking a classic and putting my own twist on it. Uh, and that's honestly like a, a lot of bartending. Like, you know, most time you go to to all these cool bars and, uh, you know, here in New York and like, you know, visiting Death & Co and uh, Maria Margo and all these, you know, that I've like always wanted nice. to go to. And it's like almost every recipe you can trace back to a classic. Like uh, they might not have the same core ingredients. You know, like a lot of the recipes in the book, you know, I have like an old fashioned, like I've mentioned where it's like typically made with, you know, whiskey, bitters, and sugar, but then you start messing with the base spirit, start messing with the bitters where you, you do a, a rum old fashioned with tiki bitters or, so basically the whole book is kind of just showing people like, here's, here's this classic recipe. Here's a few examples on how you can change it, how you can put a twist on it. And then from there, kind of the, the hope is that readers will just start making their own twists. Uh, Cause that's really how I got into cocktails was like, I just started making all the classics and like, I'm going to make margaritas a lot and martinis and and like they're very simple drinks when you look at it. most of them are you know three maybe four ingredients but once i started mastering those those templates uh it's like from there i just started being able to figure out how to build my own cocktails and how to come up with my own flavor combinations but still following these basic kind of building blocks that have been set up and i've, I've ended up kind of comparing it to like music almost you know where you have these these notes you know, <laughs> you know where it's like you only have these this this octave but you can you know you have all these different octaves and it's like you can change keys and it's like there's so much you can do with these these just few notes just kind of like these these few cocktail templates can be uh, all these different things so that's that's the general long and short of the book i guess <laughs> yeah uh as you were learning how to make cocktails was it more like the way that you approach lighting where you were at first you were doing it in this like dark room alone and <laughs> like sort of uh, kind of learning things the hard way yourself? Or was it more like being in the slightly better lit room where you had, I mean, obviously from Portland, incredible cocktail town, somewhat relevant yeah. 
like Portland cocktail week, like right. literally, I believe as we're recording, right, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, most of the DC bartenders actually are in Portland right now. Right. <laughs> so, so did you have like a mentor or like a set of bars or influences that kind of helped you do this? Or was it literally kind of like a trial and error, like scholar of a single candle type thing? Yeah. Um, a little bit of both. Uh, definitely starting out, like it, it was a bit of trial and error. I think I put in the book how I, I talked about, like, I just started, you know, I was like, oh, a tequila. I like tequila. I'll throw in some honey and I'll throw it. Like, I, I started just kind of coming up with combinations that were like decent combinations. They were just horribly unbalanced. And, you know, it's like, a, like honey is one of those ingredients where it's just like, it, it just can take over really easily, you know? So like, I didn't know that. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to put three quarters ounce of honey in and like the whole cocktail just tastes like honey. And, you know, so like there's stuff like that, that I just kind of just started figuring out as I went. And then, uh, certainly there was just like, you know, as I started, I, you know, I'd never worked in a bar, wasn't really well versed in bars or I, it was just kind of a whole new world to me. So it was just like, well, I'm going to start going to distilleries and bars in town. And I'd kind of be that guy, you know, I'd order a drink and, and then ask a bartender like, Hey, what are your like go-to spirits in the $30 range sort of thing. And always trying to be tap, you know, if the bartender's super busy. I'm not asking him that question, but, uh, as I was going around, you know, I'd, you know, these bartenders would, would start being like, Oh, this guy's interested in this stuff. Like I'll, I'll share what I know sort of thing, which I found most bartenders are, are very happy to, to share that, you know, as long as they aren't in the weeds. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So I feel like there's, there's a few people as I got going, uh, Ryan McGarrion is a, a friend of mine who, um, he's in Portland and has a few bars, but he, he like co-founded aviation gin before the other Ryan, you know, took it over. So, uh, <laughs> he's been a great friend and, and mentor and kind of sounding board for just as I kind of figured out how to, how to navigate the industry a bit. And there's, there's several great people in Portland, uh, Jim Meehan's there. So I've, he's been super accommodating of, you know, he's a, a busy guy and, he's he's met up with me a, a couple times just to kind of share his his insight and and just very like humble person and just willing to like share his knowledge and um i feel like he's just he's that with everyone i've i've heard who's worked with him has like said the same thing where it's like he has no ego just down to like share what he knows and so there's been a, a few great people like that in in portland and but yeah also just like grabbing books like like death and co and uh, Jeff Morgenthaler's book, the bar book, like there's, there's some great books and resources out there that, that have helped a lot as well. I think just especially because I'm a, when I get into something, I'm like, I want to study it and read about it and kind of learn all I can. So I'm just kind of that, that person where I'm like, I'm going to get the books. I'm going to ask the people who know and just kind of figure it out. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple aspects of the book that, really appeal to me personally. And I, f I figured that, that I would, I would share those and get your thoughts on them because there's, I mean, as we mentioned, there's a lot of cocktail books out there and there's yeah. a lot of good ones. So, so the question is what makes twist good or useful. And for me, you know, going back a little bit to your comments about like those big, those big buckets, like those few main categories that cocktails can fall into um, like there's an, there's another book out there, the cocktail codex that does a great right. job sort of categorizing and almost in the like Aristotelian sense, like 
you know, getting the, like, the, the hierarchy of cocktails, and this yeah. is the pure, and then kind of, like, bleeds out from there. They do a great job of categorizing almost a, a taxonomy of cocktails. Right, yeah. And the categories in your book are a little different, right? They're, like, they're a little bit looser and almost, like, maybe... Like you've got bubbles and right. like, and bubbles can be in a couple of different cocktail formats. And so how did you think about those, the, the sections in your book? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like definitely a little more loosely defined than cocktail codex would be where I do love that book where they have the, you know, they have like the very, you know, sciencey looking graph where it's like, you know, like the sour and then everything kind of you know, and another bubble kind of coming off of that, you know, it's like a great way to visualize it, you know, for, for some people picking up that book, it's a little like overwhelming or it's uh, not that's a bad thing by any means, but I like pick that up. I'm like, this is as a cocktail nerd. I'm like, this is the coolest thing. You know, I love being able to like see those visuals, but I know a lot of times, like you know, when people pick up a, a cocktail book, you know, they're, they're just flipping through to the recipes, you know, trying to find the recipes. So it's, it's more just, you know, focused on, on that where, you know, you pick up the, the book and it's, you know, all these very big, you know, kind of in your face photos uh, of these, these drinks. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's more kind of loosely defined with drawing your attention to the, the classic drinks that, that you probably already know, or even if you don't know how to make them, you're like, okay, I've had a margarita before I've had, um, or I've heard of a Clover Club, you know, a Negroni. Uh, so it's all just more structured around with these kind of, these classic drinks kind of grouped together. So it's like, starts with shaken cocktails where there's, you know, whiskey sour, daiquiri, sidecar, um, you know, the stuff where, you know, technically a, a margarita and a daiquiri are essentially the same drink. You know, they are, you know, Cocktail Codex would put that both in the, you know, it's the sour category. It's spirit, sour, sweet. But I just kind of broke those out because I was like, even though they're technically the, the same style of drink, you know, people think of them as, as different drinks. So I do kind of explain how that's like, they're, they're, they're the same template. Um, but you know, you kind of think like, okay, a daiquiri and then there's daiquiri riffs and there's margarita, margarita riffs. So I just try to make it a little more loose. Uh, it's like, technically those are, are very similar, but just more with kind of your, your at home consumer in mind of someone who's just like picking up a cocktail book. I want it to just be something where like they can open up and be like, okay, shaken drinks. Here's a bunch of shaken drinks I already like. And then here's a bunch of things that I can do to change that up. And then here's a bunch of spirit forward drinks, old fashions, Negronis, you know, martinis, Mar Manhattan, all of that, uh, that they can just kind of see those recipes that they know and are familiar with. And then just easily kind of flip the next page and, and see other recipes they can make that are, are similar and kind of go from there. Yeah. I love that middle ground approach because what it means is that like, it's, it's a, it's a book where people of many different skill levels can come and find something, you know, like you, you can be on your way up, like toward like, you know, with a very basic understanding and looking to really jack your cocktail skills and kind of like, ooh, I can take off using this book. But you could also be somebody who, like me, who has spent, you know, a decade learning how to make cocktails yeah. and then be like, a fucking Apple fan. Huh. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to the store and getting that Apple fan. Like, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's something for everyone in that middle ground approach where like you're, you're, you're nodding to the hard delineation between 
you know, like a daiquiri is a margarita. You just changed one thing versus like the, yeah, but people don't think of it that way. So let's, you know, let's embrace the way that people come into this book with their, you know, with their kind of cultural understanding. So I, I love that aspect. And then also, you know, with the, with the notion of twist, I, I'm not a guy who likes books with a lot of recipes. And yet, what I love about Twist is that when you're describing these recipes, you do what I actually do on the podcast here, which is when we have the featured cocktail, I'm like, the audio format is not a suitable format to be throwing a recipe at someone. So I, I list the cocktail, I give the recipe, describe how to make the drink. But to me, like the important part of the featured cocktail section in every episode is saying like, okay, here's what's awesome about this drink because every drink hat that works has something awesome about it and so when i'm reading through your book the things that you you seem to be really um celebrating in like the base model right so you like you have your base model old-fashioned you're like here's what's awesome about the old-fashioned <laughs> and then as you get into the twists you're like and here's what's cool about this twist and and you're you're sort of you're modeling not only the technical knowledge, but you're also modeling how to think about enjoying a cocktail for either it's like, boom, this is the best thing about the old fashioned or boom, like here's the cool little hidden compartment in this cocktail where the delight is stored. It's, it's the, this little, it's the swapping in of the jalapeno where the delight is located here. And so I just, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on that whole like notion. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that, you know, is also very natural because it's, it's kind of what I do online too of, of, you know, sharing photos and recipes, but I'm also usually like, you know, trying to tell people why, you know, why, why should you make this? You know, so that that's kind of always just been built into what I do anyway of the, the visual component probably is a little easier than the, the audio part. Like you, you probably have the hardest job of like having to, you know, describe over a, a podcast, but uh, it's like, I at least have like the photo thing on, on my side, which, which helps a lot. It's like, if you have a good photo, sweet. Um, but yeah, it's like, there's always, you know, making drinks for the internet component of like, okay, like, also, you know, sharing or, or sharing like a story around the drink to, you know, just to connect with, with people in a different way. Because, uh, yeah, not not everyone, like you said, like you don't, you know, tend to like books that are just a bunch of recipes. For some people, that's, they'll pick up this book and that's all they'll see are the recipes, right? So mm -hmm. it's kind of a matter of, um, you know, just having this, this not extra component, but it, it, it's something that I, I do feel like... Uh, adds so much more color and depth to the recipes and to just kind of the cocktail cocktail world of like the, there are so many inspiring stories behind different spirits, different flavor components. Uh, and that's like part of why I love this so much is that's like, it's impossible to get bored where it's like even just jumping into, you know, learning about cognac. I got to like go to cognac France recently and like learn all about the history and culture behind that one spirit and like production methods and just like all this stuff. And I'm like, that's literally just one thing. And then there's, there's all these different spirits. And then outside of spirits, it's like, there's all these different types of flavor components and different methods for creating different flavor components. Uh, so I just feel like it's, 
it's like there's so much and and that's even with writing the book it was like it was kind of hard to just write you know for each recipe it's it's maybe like a half page talking about the cocktail you know so i felt like i had to cut a lot down just to have it all fit on the page because i'm like it's like even just a daiquiri it's like there's so many different ways you can go with that and just uh you know things like pisco and just like the in mezcal and like the cultural significance of some of these these products you know beyond just being you know like oh this is this is nice this is my favorite spirit it's like well there's like generations of people who've made this stuff and and where it's like so important to their livelihood and culture and there's just like so many different avenues and things that you can can learn about and i hope at least like the book can maybe spark some of that for some people where it's by no means like here's this exhaustive history of this spirit or this cocktail it's more of kind of like here's here's a start and here's just kind of like a little sample of what what you can get into because it really is such a fun and beautiful world so well and it's a start with some momentum to it too it's a it's a little push because and and i think this goes back to that middle ground that you took where it's like categories and buckets that are useful but not so restrictive that it's like a taxonomy because like i think the mo there's an inherent momentum with twist right twist is a verb there's an inherent momentum yeah. to it where it's like Ooh, like by giving us by by celebrating these twists, by giving us the 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 background of the basic format, and then getting us into the twists. Like, I'm I'm moving. I've got ideas. I've got like you said, you sparked something. There's a com there's combustion, right? Yeah. And and so I think that to me is kind of the the nucleus of the book. So I I mean. I guess the, the the last thing I wanted to make sure we did about the book is you've got all these beautiful photographs and I'm wondering if you have any stories of photographs that were particularly like maybe deceptively difficult to capture or any, any stories from the, the actual photography of the book that when somebody picks it up, they can flip to that page and be like, Oh wow. Like, and, and like appreciate the work that went into it almost. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think here. Uh, yeah, it's like the it, shooting it was a lot more difficult than I expected. Uh, just because I'm like taking pictures of cocktails is what I do. So I, you know, I, I did all the photos last after I'd kind of written everything and kind of gone through and edited a bunch of stuff. And uh, so I kind of figured, oh yeah, like I can I can shoot it no problem. Uh, and I ended up, you know, it's like I had, you know, several months and I, I basically just was like, oh, I'm just going to get everything just the way how I work. I'm like, I want to focus on one thing and then move to the next. So like I ended up just setting aside like one month. So like 30 days to shoot all the recipes and all the photos in the book. And it ended up being like, oh, shoot, like this is, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, part of it was also the the pressure of putting on myself of like, you know, most of what I create lives online. So, which is scary in its own way of like, you know, it, there's social media and different things. It's like there, there can be a pretty big reach with putting stuff out there, but there's something about like creating work that is then going to be like printed. And, like it just feels like very permanent. You know, I can't go through and edit that later or delete that. Or if I'm like, Oh, if I don't like this recipe or photo, I'll just archive it. It's like, no, once it's in the book, it's like, it's in the book and it's out there. Uh, so part of that was just this pressure on myself of like, if I'm going to put this out, like I want it to be, you know, the best work I can. So at the end of it, I do feel like I'm like, yeah, like these photos are are truly some of my, my best work. Uh, some of my favorites are like, 
do like this white Negroni uh, recipe in there where, you know, it has the, the zest shot that I'm kind of known for, which it's like, uh, you know, taking the, you know, the lemon peel or the orange peel and, you know, squeezing it and having the oils, you know, come out on, on the surface of the drink. And it's always just like a really cool photo that people always like. So that one, I just had a lot of fun with, with different colors. I kind of have this like teal background I had custom made and like, just how that photo turned out. I just was like, Oh yes, this is a cool picture. Some of them that were a little more like just a pain in the butt were, uh, you know, like the, the Ramos gin fizzes are just always, you know, bartenders too. It's like, you know, nobody likes making those cocktails. Cause it's just like, it's a lot of work. And if you, if you screw it up, it's just like, well, I'll make it again. Uh, cause yeah, with those, it's, you know, it has the egg white in there, the cream, and it's all about, you know, pouring in just enough bubbles and making sure it's, it's cold and to where you get that, you know, that head rising above the glass. Um, so that's just always like a pain. And when I was shooting it, I was still in my uh, studio in my house, which is like in the garage. We live in a townhouse where like, you know, it's three levels and our kitchen is like on the third level. So like I'd run up there and grab ice and bring stuff down. And like, Usually when I make a fizz, I, you know, pour it and then I put it in the freezer for a few seconds to let the foam settle before I, I pour bubbles into it. Uh, so it was a little like harder to, to get that dialed in, in the garage, um, to had two different ones. So, uh, yeah, so there's just, that one was just always like, okay, like that took me probably a whole evening just shooting two cocktails just because it was like, I have to make this a few times. And then maybe I did get the shot, but it's not like the shot I wanted. So I was like, all right, we're doing this again. Uh, so I probably made, you know, the two different Ramos in the book, probably like five times each. So it was making 10, you know, and shaking that it was just like, by the end of the night, you know, it was like after midnight, I'm just like, I'm, I'm so done with this cocktail. (laughs) (laughs) I, I can imagine. Yeah. There, there's, um, there's a phenomenon that I feel like only people who have spent time making cocktails to photograph would understand and relate to. And that is the, like the, the sad slash maybe slightly grumpy, like sip of that cocktail then, because like, then you've got a cocktail, but inherently it's too warm. It's watered down. You're, you're mad about something that didn't go quite right, Yeah, but it's there. So you take a sip. Like it's, it's not a, it's not a good, it's not a happy sip. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Well, so talk to us about the launch and how, how do we get our hands on a copy of Twist? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is, you know, for pre-sale right now, it's uh, scheduled to come out on uh, December 13th, I believe, is the official release date in the U.S. And then uh, internationally, uh, it'll come out, I, I think it's like six weeks later, uh, just with, you know, shipping things and all of that. But December 13th in the U.S. And then um, probably easiest way is you could go to highproofpreacher.com. Um, and I have a little, you know, get the book button at the top where it has all these kind of pre-sale links. But you can also search for the book on, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, all kind of the the major book retailers uh, should be there. But I just kind of have most of those links all just kind of compiled on my website for so you can just kind of pick whatever one is, is your preferred. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, we will also have a link to that over on the show notes page at modernbarcart.com forward slash 
podcast. Uh, Jordan, before we jump into the lightning round here, is there anything that we missed? I know that putting together a book is this huge project. <laughs> You've got so many other kind of arms to what you do. So I want to make sure that we that we covered everything that, that you wanted to on this uh, on this conversation. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I think so. It's just, uh, it's like with the book, it, it's, it's one of those things where I, I feel like for a few months, you know, it's just kind of been a, you know, while working on it, it was almost like having a big homework project again, where it was just like this big thing of like, Oh, I have to make sure, you know, got deadlines to hit and all that. Now that it's been like done and it's just like, you know, at least my part of actually making the book is done, you know, now it's, it's actually like exciting again to be like, Oh yeah. Like I, I made a book and it's coming out. Like, yeah, it just feels very cool to to even be talking about at this point. So yeah, I think we, we covered a lot of it and really appreciate all the insightful questions and yeah, just excited for people to, to check it out. Awesome. Well, again, we'll have lots of links for you on the show notes page. You'll see some stuff on social media, but for now, let's jump into the lightning round. So cool. first one that we've got for you here is a desert island scenario. Interpret the rules of that however you want, uh, but you are stranded maroons, no prospect of rescue in the near term, and you get one bottle and one cocktail uh, in sort of like sort of on tap, we, we, we can assume. So what, what's your Desert Island bottle and your Desert Island cocktail? Uh, right. I know this is tough, but I'd probably say for the bottle, it would probably be a, a bottle of Mezcal, uh, probably a Tepestate uh, is my favorite. Uh, you know, think it's a agave that has to grow for like 25 plus years before they can even harvest it and turn it into Mezcal. Uh, but uh that's just one of my my all-time faves yeah i just like drinking that i'm like this is like wines you know a lot of people taste that and they feel like like this is mezcal like it's not it's not that smoky like smokes there you know because everyone thinks of mezcal as just like smoky tequila or whatever where when you know i give them a, a taste of that people are like oh like this is mezcal like there's so many other just flavors there and so many other things going on beyond just smoke. Like smoke is just a component. So yeah, truly love a bottle of that. So that's all I had. I'd, I'd be happy. Uh, and then as far as a cocktail, um, fairly closely related. Uh, I mean, agave spirits are just some of my, my favorites in general, but I'd probably go with a, a margarita. Honestly, like make margaritas the most for myself, for friends, for family, like, that's just like the one I'm I'm always making and just truly like enjoy any time of year. And it's also like the drink where I, you know, I was just at a resort in Hawaii and, you know, sometimes resorts are like, you know, ordering a Mai Tai, you're like, is this just going to be rum and pineapple juice? Like that's not a Mai Tai, you know, where generally I could be like a margarita might be made with sour mix, but at least it's a, you know, uh, so that's kind of one of my go-to drinks in general, kind of regardless of where I am and, it's just something I, I always enjoy. So yeah, yeah, I love the the tepestate. I think of I think of varietals like that. It's just like terroir bombs yeah. or terroir sponges, right? right. Like they ha- like if it has to be in the ground for twenty five years, like people, you know, I it's to the point now where I hear people talking about wines like, oh, we have these old vines. I'm like, yeah, but the grapes were only on there for like a couple months. Right. This yeah. has been in the ground with the minerals for twenty five yeah. years. Like, come on, yeah. come on. So I, I love that. Yeah. Next question. 
what's a a small or seemingly like idiosyncratic thing that when it happens it just always makes your day uh, yeah it doesn't have to be cocktail related right uh no, no, <laughs> okay anything. well uh i mean i am a dad so um i have a, a two-year-old daughter uh, and another daughter on the way actually here in a few months oh, so congrats. thanks yeah craziness uh life doesn't get any more simple right so um <laughs> yeah uh but uh she's been really funny lately with uh kind of waking me up in the morning where i feel like for the last few years of, of being a, a baby and little kid it's kind of like you wake up and start crying you're like okay time to go get her but she's just been like waking me up by like coming in and like feeling for my face she'll like put her hand on my face and just goes like <laughs> finds like my nose and then just goes hi dada and it's just like waking up to that and just like this is the best thing ever so uh, yeah. i love that but that's awesome. that's a little that's thing fantastic. that i'm just like i'll never get tired of this so <laughs> amazing amazing uh cocktail with anybody in the world past or present who would it be where would you go what would you drink um uh, stage us a fo- i usually say paint us a picture but stage us a photo yeah <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, I know it's like there, there's quite a few people I'd love to grab a cocktail with. So it's hard to narrow it down. Um, in quite a few places I would like to go as well, but I've always wanted to visit, uh, I think it's called the Atlas bar in uh, Singapore. Um, mm. that's one that I'm, you know, it's got like this massive tower in the middle, just full of spirits. It just, looks incredible sounds incredible everyone i've I've talked to has been there is just like oh it's just a experience you know so um would love to go there with i think michelle obama i just think she's like one of the coolest people ever and barack could come too if he wanted to but you know if it's <laughs> but if it's very generous it, that's very if generous it's just a date with me and michelle like i would be happy so <laughs> uh yeah I just am like always very inspired by her. Um, and she, she just seems like such a cool, genuine person. Um, so I just am like, I feel like she would just be such a fun person, hang out with, get a little tipsy, you know, like just like hang at the Atlas in Singapore. It just sounds like a great time. Uh, so, <laughs> and so if you had to guess, like what? What do you think? I don't. I, maybe this is information that is out there in the world. I imagine that it is. But like, <laughs> what? What would you? If you had to, if Michelle Obama was just like, order me, order me whatever you think I would like. What would you <laughs> order for Michelle Obama? Gosh, I mean, I feel like like she's just so cool and classy. Like I'm sure she's somewhere in the the martini world. But that's where like. I feel like if we were hanging out and like, I'd get her like a jet pilot or something like just to be like, okay, you know, like, oh, I'm just, we're going to have fun, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I could definitely see her more in the like martini, the groaning camp. Yeah. I would love to just do something like really big and overproof just to like see what her reaction would be to something like that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Jet pilot. That one doesn't come out nearly as often as yeah, it yeah. should. Um, <laughs> So, uh, last question here. Uh, do you have any unusual or controversial beliefs in the spirits and cocktail world? And, and I would assume that for somebody who spent as much time struggling with and photographing drinks that you probably have one or two. Yeah. I mean, I guess the one I'm kind of known for, uh, is 
uh, referring to vodka, where I've I've kind of taken some cheap shots at vodka just being just super boring. Uh, <laughs> and uh, honestly, I'm like, I don't hit like I, I started doing some different videos and, and different things about it just because like vodka, you know, people having preferences for like, you know, like only Tito's or only, you know, where I'm just kind of like, well, most vodka is a neutral grain spirit. So like when you put it in a cocktail, like you aren't going to taste the differences. And it's like, I get like, I've had all these like vodka reps reach out to me being like, I would like to educate you on vodka. I'm like, no, I, I know vodka. I understand there are some differences with mouthfeel when you have different, you know, different ingredients, whether you're using, you know, just whatever grain versus potato or grapes or whatever, different distillation methods. But at the end of the day, it's like, as soon as you put it in anything, I'm just like, for the most part, you're, you're not really going to be able to tell the differences. That's at least my stance that a lot of bartenders have agreed with. And then, but at the same time, like every time I share about it, like it, it's kind of amazing how it, it really pisses people off. Cause some people are just like, will kind of base their whole personality around a spirit or a cocktail and are really passionate about a brand. Uh, and, you know, for some people there's, you know, like if you're Polish, you know, vodka is this a very important cultural thing, you know? So that's where I'm like, I'm, I'm not trying to just like rip vodka, but it's something where it's just like in general for like general consumers. I'm like, yeah, you can, you can try different vodkas and you're, you're, it's not likely you're going to be able to tell the difference unless you're like sipping in meat. Right. So, um, I feel like that shouldn't be a controversial thing, but it, it, it is. And honestly, like I, I kind of keep poking it a little bit because it, it's just kind of fun. Like it's like, <laughs> it's like too easy to do. Um, and that's also, I'm like within the book, it's like, you'll see there's, I think there's one cocktail with, uh, like a vodka base. So, uh, I think maybe I have two in there. So it's, it's not a spirit I, I use a lot, even though it's something that, you know, it's, it is the most popular spirit out there, but I'm like, I think it's the most popular for a reason because it, it doesn't really taste like much. So, um, so it's just easy to consume. So that's, that's my controversy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's, it is funny. I mean, that was one of the, the earlier episodes that we did back when it was like, back when we were kind of laying more of the foundational content for the podcast episode like 20 it's in like the 20 or 30s and we're, we're now in like the 240s oh wow but you know maybe i'll link to that on the show notes page because you're right like vodka is it is so controversial <laughs> you're you, if you get five people in a room you're going to alienate the majority of them almost no matter what stance you take somehow right. somehow yeah, yeah. no matter what stance you take yeah and and yeah, so maybe maybe I'll link to the the vodka episode. We 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 talked with people on all all ends of that uh, the various spectrums, yeah. and we, do, we even did a, a tasting of different vodkas. Oh, cool! Uh, so 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 yeah, we'll we'll link to that in the show notes page. That was one of my favorite all times that we that we did. But Jordan, this has been incredible. Um, your book Twist will be popping up on shelves soon, December thirteenth. For those of us who are not already following you uh, in the digital space, what's the best way to uh, peruse the content that you've already got up and uh, stay up to date on uh, things that you may be releasing, like e-courses and stuff like that? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, High Proof Preacher is, you know, Instagram account, TikTok, website, highproofpreacher.com. Yeah, that's kind of the 
the central hub for for a lot of it and that's that's all you know on there sharing different you know cocktails and recipes and techniques and then all the kind of the funny stuff and poking fun at vodka and, and all of that but yeah there's then there's the uh, i kind of separated my kind of photography educational content stuff out on the cocktail camera so there's cocktailcamera.com which has kind of these resources and there's you know paid e-courses but i also have a blog on there and links to youtube videos so there's a lot of free resources you can get to like i mentioned earlier there's that kind of five tips for drink photography that's a free download on there so and then cocktail camera on, on instagram and youtube where i'm kind of sharing more uh at least now now that i have this new studio space i'm kind of focusing on doing more just kind of educational content and sharing that on on cocktail camera uh, for people who are who are interested in learning how to uh whether it's capturing drinks it's also very applicable applicable to uh you know, uh, like product photography and showing people how to photograph bottles and things that are transparent and reflective. So uh, those are kind of the two areas of Hyper Preacher and Cocktail Camera are kind of the two ways that are, are best to, to follow along. And I'm, I try to be really good at responding to to questions, whether, you know, Hyper Preacher, it's all these questions about syrups and cocktails and how to make certain things. and uh, That stuff, I'm all you know, always trying to get back to people. It might not be right away, but I always try to respond to to questions people have. Same with cocktail camera, where it's questions about what sort of camera should I buy or what lens and stuff like that. I uh, can nerd out on that as well. So uh, it's like basically the two things that I nerd out on, I have made kind of businesses out of. So it's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Well, Jordan, thank you for putting out uh, so much of that content for free. I definitely recommend folks check out your tips on the uh, champagne syrup, which is which is oh, yeah. something that, that I love that, that you talk about. And uh, thank you, more importantly, for being a guest right here on the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm honored. This is, uh, this is super fun. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two big things you can do for us here at Modern Bar Cart. One would be to tell your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about cocktails. And if they don't download podcasts, they can always stream our episodes on their desktop directly from the show notes page at modernbarcart.com. The other thing you can do to help would be to head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars are great, but we're more interested in your feedback. And the beauty is, the more reviews we have, the easier it will be for other folks out there to learn about our show. We're trying to start a cocktail revolution here, and by spreading the word, you're helping us fight the good fight. You can always reach us by emailing podcast at modernbarcart.com if you're looking for cocktail or bartending advice, or if you're a pro who would like to pull up a mic and be interviewed for all to hear. Also, definitely follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Modern Bar Cart for cocktail porn, recipes, and entertaining tips. And keep an eye out for new product releases and special offers, which are happening all the time. We love our listeners and we really enjoy giving you exclusive discounts and sneak peeks at our latest and greatest cocktail projects. This episode may be over, but for you, the mixological fun and adventures are just beginning. So remember folks, drink responsibly and experiment boldly.
This episode was made possible with editing and sound design by Samantha Reed, cocktail and photography insights courtesy of Jordan Hughes, and a little bit of interview magic by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production, copyright 2022.